it's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as loss. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse, nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid dead sea? I quote Paul, may it never be. To leave a so let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy. There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor. Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other. We are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few, the harvest is plenty, with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope, they've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to his resurrection. The clock's ticking, we're on our dime. Hey church, rise up! It's our time. Good morning. So everybody's wide awake. It's, it's always the same. You know, at Hope Community Church, we have two services too, and uh, it's always the same crowd for the early service. The ones that are, you know, getting up early for work all week, and uh, I always hated early service. <laughs> but uh, anyway, my, my name is Randy Asa. Uh, I, I want to thank um, Pastor Oberg and Dr. Songer and um, the, the rest of the mission team for inviting me to come and be a part of this mission conference. What a, what a great day yesterday. How many of you were here for that yesterday? Okay, quite a few of you. I was amazed when I saw how many people were showing up for this mission conference. Uh, I've, I've been to church mission conferences before, and typically you've got just a small little fragment of the church that shows up. But uh, you just turn the volume up on me. It sounds like it's echoing. Is that right? Okay. You can hear me? Okay. Um, so, yeah, to, to have a group of, of nearly 80, I think it was, something like that, show up for this mission conference, it shows the heart of the church is, is in missions. And, and that's just really encouraging. And then last night, uh, I stayed with the, the Glovers, and, and I met Holly 
uh, and and uh, I heard her heart for missions and her experience on this mission trip uh, this last summer. And, and I see that God is working in the hearts of young people, preparing the next generation to continue uh, his mission. And, and that's just really uh, an encouraging background. I, I come from Shadow Church. Well, um, my background, I, I come from Shadow, Wisconsin, uh, just uh, about 35 miles from, from that big church Lambeau Field. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it's amazing. We we actually in in Hope Community we have to schedule our events around the football schedule because uh, if you plan anything during a football game, forget it. You're just wasting your time, and uh, it's amazing the the um, power that that has over us. Does that have that kind of a grip up here? Are you guys that fanatical? Yeah, yeah. Maybe Packers just bring that out of everybody. I had to ask last night if you were Packers or Packers or Lions fans around here because I just wasn't sure. But glad to hear that you're on the right side of the fence there. <laughs> so, well, I was asked this morning to to uh, talk a little bit about Paul's strategy for reaching the world, and uh, you know, this is a this could be a really deep topic. It's hard to cover in in just you know, one, one discussion. I took a course through the Antioch School. Um, I don't know if some of you may be familiar with that. The Antioch School has their first courses on the book of Acts. And uh, we spent 15 weeks studying the book of Acts and um, a big portion of that is so Paul and, and strategy for, uh, for mission. And um, so I'm going to give you an overview of, of what that what that looks like and and to do that again we have to go back to the book of acts and uh, acts is is um, you know it's part two of a, of a two-part history documentation put together by Luke Luke was writing to a man named Theophilus and the gospel of Luke tells the story from Jesus birth all the way until uh, his his death and resurrection and then acts picks up with book two and it, it picks up from when Jesus commissions the, the apostles to um, when Paul takes the, the message all the way to Rome and uh, expands the church. So um, I have some, some stuff on my table out in the entry. I don't know if you saw that for Engage Global Ministries. Um, by the way, that's, that's what, what I'm doing now. My, my, I was on staff at Hope Community Church for, for about 10 years and uh, about a year ago started a new organization called Engage Global Ministry Partnerships, with that, uh, what I'm doing is I'm coming alongside churches that feel a desire to get involved in missions, but just don't know what to do, don't have connections, don't have training, or people that, that can lead a missions emphasis in the church. And I will come alongside them and help them create a vision for mission and facilitate partnerships to lead the mission charge in the church and even help facilitate partnerships if they're interested in, in, in partnerships overseas. And uh, so that's what I'm doing now. And uh, uh, that's, it's, it's just a passion that I have for, for helping churches uh, develop this. Um, and uh, where was I going with that? Okay, let's get back to Acts. <laughs> so anyway, on my back table, that's where it was. It talks about what I'm doing back there, but I have a sheet. looks like this. It's a timeline for the book of Acts. The book of Acts covers a period of about 27 years. 
And uh, it's broken up into different sections. And if you are interested in studying the book of Acts, this is kind of a guide that will get you going and, and explain the different parts of Acts. Um, but the first, the first uh, nine, ten books of, of Acts are pretty much focused on Peter and the apostles' ministry, mostly in Jerusalem to the Jews. In chapter 9, we see Paul coming into the picture. Paul was, uh, you know, he was not a good guy in the beginning. He was, he was first named Saul in, in, uh, in, in, in Acts. And uh, when Stephen was, was uh, um, stoned to death, it was Saul that was standing there looking on in approval. And he went on to be a great persecutor of the Christians in Jerusalem and surrounding area. And uh, in addressing the God doing something amazing in, in addressing Saul and, and changing his, his outlook on things. And we know that uh, Saul, also known as Paul from then on, uh, had, had quite a ministry. And um, uh, Acts 1.8, at the very beginning, kind of gives us uh, um, the, the blueprint for what Acts is talking about. Uh, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And basically, that's what Acts is about, how that happened. And um, so, the, the question that, that I'm addressing today, the, you know, Paul's strategy for reaching the world, there are a lot of very, very intelligent people that have written articles and books about did Paul even have a strategy? Did Paul even have a strategy? And, you know, when you, when you look at what he did and how the Holy Spirit worked through him in planting churches and expanding the, the kingdom, you wonder, was he just haphazardly led through this whole ministry uh, by the Holy Spirit? Did he get up a strategy that the Spirit gave him marching orders for the day? Or did he actually have a strategy that he kind of followed? And uh, there's arguments on both sides of that. And I think that um, probably the more emphasis is on the fact that, yeah, he did. He did have a strategy that he worked within. But what does that strategy look like? And uh, uh, strategy is... Strategy is kind of a, it's a military term now more than, than uh, you know, the, the way we use it. Uh, it it's, it's referring to a large-scale planning and directing of operations towards a certain goal. And the word method actually is a little softer. It talks, it talks about um, a scaled-down way of going about a task. So when we talk about Paul, do we think, we have the, do we think he had this strategy that was kind of a hard and set um, plan for what he was going to do, or or did he have? Uh, sorry, my phone's making noises. So did he have this 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 method that he just kind of generally followed as he went through? Um, and and one thing that's really clear is that Paul's strategy, his method, was very flexible, in that he was led by the Holy Spirit. There were times when and wants to go to a certain place, and the Holy Spirit said, no, no, you're not doing that. And Paul was, was very attentive to what the Holy Spirit was leading him uh, to do and to places he was to go. 
Uh, David Hasselgrave, in, in a book called Planting Churches Cross-Culturally, North America and Beyond, he said this, If our dependence on the overall strategy and method of its implementation, rather than the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot claim to be true to the New Testament, nor will our witness be as effective as uh, that of the first century believers. That is to say that, you know, we can go into, we can go into ministry, whether it's local ministry or, or global missions, and we can think about a strategy and a plan, but if we depend completely on a strategy and a plan, we're missing it. We have to allow the Holy Spirit's leading in whatever we're doing. We have to allow Him, give Him the authority to change our plan. You agree with that? We have to be able to allow God to be the one leading and not get so hung up on strategy. And I think this is where Paul was. He did have a strategy, but it was very, very flexible in allowing the Holy Spirit to move. So what was, what was Paul's goal? Paul is called the great missionary. And whenever we, we asked, you know, when he did, he was, he was considered a missionary. Uh, and when asked, you know, when you ask a question, what is his goal? What is missionary work all about? Michael Griffiths, he wrote a, a book called What on Earth Are You Doing? Jesus Called to World Missions. And there's, here's a segment that he wrote regarding what missionary work was about for them. This seems a glaringly obvious question, but I have found from experience that even Christians who ought to know better give a variety of vague and pious answers that fall short of a full biblical answer. To do good, to preach the gospel, to save souls, to heal the sick, to baptize bodies, all are good and true answers, but fall short of what stands out a mile in the New Testament account in Acts. What did those first apostolic missionaries like Paul, Barnabas, Silas, and Timothy, Timothy actually do? Certainly they did preach and teach, heal and serve, but why? For what purpose? Not just to save individual souls. Acts is absolutely clear. They planted churches. They planted churches. Paul was a church planter. That was his goal. He set out to plant churches because the bride of Christ, the ch- are we all individually brides of Christ or is the church the bride of Christ? The church is the bride. The church is the entity that God's authority works through here on earth. And that is the importance of the church and why it's so important that when we consider our outreach and our, our ministry, we can go out and try to evangelize and save people, but unless they are attached to a church, what's going to happen? Statistically, what we see in so many outreaches where there's no affiliation to a church in a local area, people will come to a meeting and they'll come forward and be saved. But if there's no church to sustain them and, and build them and a place where they can be a part of the body, they fall away. Because the church is a place where people grow. The church is a place where, where people experience the presence of God. It's absolutely necessary. So when we talk about Paul's strategy, you can pop that picture up. This is a, another piece of uh, 
study material I have back on my table back there. You can feel free to grab one. This is called a Pauline cycle, and, and part of the study around Paul's strategy, uh, the Pauline created this, this cycle, and if you go online and Google it, Pauline, uh, the Pauline uh, cycle, <clears throat> you're going to see a whole bunch of different variations of this kind of a map. And uh, um, I know that you use um, some of the Antioch School materials for training here. Um, in book three, I think it is, it talks about some of the Pauline cycle stuff. But it breaks it down into three major sections, which you can see on that. Uh, evangelizing, equipping, and empowering. Evangelizing is the first step of what Paul would do when he'd go into a, a community. And then uh, <clears throat> the next step was equipping the believers and, and then empowering leadership and setting that church free to, to begin to work on its own. Now, breaking it down even further, there are 10 different steps that we identify that Paul used as a part of his strategy. Now, did Paul use this 10-step process everywhere he went? No, he didn't. And uh, that's part of the argument with, well, did he really have a strategy? Because he didn't do the same thing everywhere he went. But we've identified these 10 things that were all a part of what he did. And he may have skipped one or, uh, you know, varied it a little bit. But this is kind of the, the way he worked. When, when he was commissioned, we see in, in Acts chapter 13, and again in 15, missionary journey, is commissioned by the church in Antioch to go with Barnabas out on his missionary journey. And this is after the Holy Spirit laid on the hearts of those church leaders. He said, set, up, set aside Paul and Barnabas for me, for the work that I have prepared for them to do. So the church commissioned them. They sent them out. <clears throat> so the first step is missionaries are commissioned. The next step, audience contacted. What did Paul do? He went into a, a city. He went into the population centers. He went to the synagogue, and he talked to the leaders in the synagogue, and then he went out into the community and talked to the Gentiles because Paul's main ministry was to Gentiles, wasn't it? He went, he, we're here because of his ministry. He was the one that took the, the gospel message to the non-Jews for the first time. So Paul went out and he began working with spreading the gospel message to the Gentiles the next step, the gospel was communicated. The, the, the step four, he went on to the, the hearers were converted. People were hearing this message. People were accepting it. And uh, then he congregated them into a, a group of, of believers and started to begin the nucleus of a church. Once he, he did that, he did this process that in some cases took many years. He would spend time with the people in the church teaching them uh, training them, uh, helping them understand the gospel. He found leaders uh, building their faith. Next thing he did was he, he found leaders within that body, and he, he trained those leaders, and, and, uh, and the, the believers were commended. Then the relationship continued. He continued ongoing communication with these, these churches, and then he'd go back to his sending church in Antioch, and he'd give them the report on what's going on. Now, this is a 10-step process, and it seems like, and, and you'd be right if you look at that and say, well, it's just kind of common sense. If you look at, if you look at what Paul did, if, if we were to go into another community right now and, and begin to plant a church, these are the same steps we would probably use just because they just make sense to, to do. And um, so Paul's method was really nothing revolutionary. 
but it's a good example for us to look at. Now, the next thing, if you, if you take that, that Acts course that I was, I was telling you about, um, there's another big question. It's like, how closely, how closely should we really be following Paul as an example? And uh, is it really a model that we can use today? And like I said, it, it, it is uh, because it's just common sense. But um, Paul's ministry when we have tried to apply it to, to global context, Paul was, was a church planter in, in, I guess if you were to put it in our context, he was, he was a, a worker in, in, in America. He was a uh, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria kind of a, of a missionary. He didn't go to the ends of the earth the way we see the ends of the earth because Paul worked within the Roman Empire. Paul worked with people that... that uh, spoke the same language he spoke. They came from the same culture he came from. He, he, uh, he was a citizen of that Roman Empire. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, from the very beginning of his ministry, he was very familiar with the way people thought. Now, you take missionaries who are going to the other side of the world, it's a, it's a little different ballgame. We don't speak the language. We don't understand how they think. We, we have a lot to learn. So when you, when you think about Paul's strategy, can you just apply that to all situations? And, and that's, that's another question to struggle with. So when we, look at Paul's, when we look at Paul's strategy and we say, is it, is it something that is, a couple of words here for you, normal versus normative. Normal is something that was common for them to do in biblical times. We read scripture and can you take everything in Scripture and directly apply it to your life? For instance, can you do that? No, you can't. Because, for instance, the book of Acts was not written to us. It was written to Theophilus. So to really understand the things in Acts, we have to understand what Luke was trying to tell Theophilus. Why was he trying to tell him this? Why was he doing it this way? So when we read Scripture, <clears throat> there are certain things that we can look at and say, well, that's the way they did it and it was normal for them. Maybe not necessarily normal for us. But then there are the normative things. These are things that you look at in Scripture and say, they did it that way then, we do it that way now. Things like when Jesus commanded us directly, be baptized. So we get baptized. Have communion, celebrate the Lord's Supper. We do that because Jesus said do that. And the things in Scripture that say specifically, do this, Ten Commandments, you know, there are, there are certain things that are normative that we take directly from Scripture and apply today. Now, when we look at Paul's methodologies and strategies, do we look at that stuff and say, yeah, that is, that is normative. We have to do everything just the way he did because he's our example. Well, there's a struggle on both sides of that too. Some very intelligent people argue that. My stand on that is we look at what he, had, he has done and we see the wisdom of his of his methods, and to a lot can. <clears throat> but I think it's, it goes back to allowing the Holy Spirit to lead, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us in the work that we're doing and guide us through the work we're doing. And uh, look at the, what Paul did as an example of um, ways, to, ways to approach that. Now, I think more than, um, more than necessarily his 
his strategy, we can look at Paul's life. We can look at who Paul was and find some real encouragement uh, and, and some real um, uh, just empowering uh, things from, from Paul. Uh, Paul was, Paul's example for mission was Jesus Christ himself. And in uh, Romans chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, uh, the passage says this, Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Paul looked to Jesus, and, and the example was Jesus. Jesus came as a servant. Paul When I consider Paul, I, I looked at, you know, I look at Paul and, and you consider the, the kind of person Paul was. We probably know people like Paul. Paul was one of these guys that was uh, kind of a, a one-track mind. And once he got his mind set on something, he was like a pit bull. He would not let go. We can see this in that, you know, his, his, his fervor for persecuting the church before Jesus got a hold of him. Paul was, was all in on that, which explains why such drastic measures had to be taken to convert Paul. When Paul was on his way to Damascus to continue his persecution, what happened? Jesus shows up in a bright light, blinds him, says, why are you persecuting me? How many of us have had that kind of experience where God got at our attention that way? Not many, right? Paul was one of these guys that he was so hard and fast going in one direction, it took some pretty drastic measures to get him turned around. But he did. He did get turned around. And in the same way that he was fervent and hard after persecuting the church, he turned and became that fervent and, and hard after following Jesus and proclaiming the God. Find that and doing what, what he was called to do. And I find, that, I find that having that kind of fervor is absolutely what was necessary for the foundation of the church. It had to be someone like that. And uh, at the same time, Paul did not feel like he had it within himself to be that person. In, in uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 18, this is what Paul says about his, his missionary work. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he said, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with, it, with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our sufficiency is from God. Paul was humble. Paul knew that he didn't, have, he didn't have it in him to accomplish what he was called to do, so he was dependent completely on the Holy Spirit. He was dependent completely on God to give him the words to speak. You know, Paul wasn't an eloquent speaker. We see that in Scripture. He claims it himself. I'm not, you know, he, he said, I'm not eloquent. I don't speak. I had to go to, in fact, there's one account where a guy falls out of a two-story window listening to him because he fell asleep. 
had to go down and raise him from the dead, you know? So Paul was not one of these speakers that everybody would stay awake for. And, uh, but his message was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when we look at ourselves, when we look at the call that we have on ourselves, it's not necessarily in our own strength, in our own gifts and abilities, that God succeeds in his mission. Praise God for that. Amen? You know, I, I think of, I think of uh, this, this ministry that I'm working in now, and uh, I was talking with Pete this morning, and I shared this story. Uh, last year, it was just after I found out that I was going to be leaving Hope and, and I was going to be starting this new ministry, and, and I just felt so inadequate. It's like, what have I got within me to do any of this? I, I, I got nothing. You know, I, I don't feel like I have the, the kind of personality or the drive to, to succeed in this. I, I, I don't feel like I have the strength. And, and what authority do I have to go into a church and explain to them how they should be doing missions? You know what? I got nothing. And I was feeling this, and it was a, just this heavy weight on me. And I took a, a group of our youth on, and, and in the Indian Reservation, northern Minnesota, and um, Red Lake Indian Reservation, and, and in the evening we had a session, and um, they were talking about this very thing. What is it that God has called you to? He's got a call on all of us to serve in some capacity. As believers, once we become believers, we got a job to do. And it's not just showing up on Sunday morning. we got a job to do. We are, we are commissioned to do something. What is it? And, and the question that they asked in that evening session was, what's keeping you from doing what God is calling you to do? What is it that's keeping you from that? And they passed out a bunch of pennies, and, and it just is a physical representation. They said, take that penny and think about whatever that is. Pray about that. What, what is it that's keeping you from pursuing what God has for you? And maybe it's these feelings of inadequacy. They said that. That's really, <laughs> okay. And what if it's a, a sin? Maybe you're trapped in a sin of some sort that makes you feel guilt and shame and you just feel like, oh, God can't use me because I'm stuck in this thing. Or maybe it's just outright disobedience. You're just not willing to serve, willing to do your Sunday morning thing, maybe even a Wednesday or midweek service at some time. But when it comes to actually stepping out, but whatever, no, not doing it. That's disobedience. But whatever it is, take that thing and apply it to that penny. Pray over that penny and throw it in a basket at the foot of a cross. I took that penny and I knew exactly what was going on in that penny. All these feelings of inadequacy that I had, I put on there and I threw it in that basket. And the second that penny hit the basket, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me clear as day. And he said to me, whose strength? are you going under? Not yours. Whose authority are you going with to speak to leaders in churches? Not yours. And who is calling you? This isn't you sending yourself. This is me sending you. And it changed. It changed everything for me. Even now, when I have some hard times and I realize it's a tough road, I don't have an out. 
because God made it very clear to me, this is what I want you to do. Do it. It'd be so easy for me to, to go back into the contracting work that I did for many years, and I could do that, and I could feel comfortable. And I could make enough money to live on doing that, but I'd be miserable, absolutely miserable, knowing that I rejected what God called me to do. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. Think about, think about what God has called you to. What is it that, what, what ministry is, is God, has God laid on your heart? Has he, has he given you a burden for, for youth or kids? Has he given you a burden for min, uh, ministry to the community? Do your neighbors know Jesus? Do your coworkers know Jesus? The ministry is all around you. What is, what is God calling you to? And what's keeping you from it? Lay that thing down. Set it aside. Allow God to work through you, in you, and you will find, just like Paul, just like Paul, when he said at, at the end of his ministry, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. In him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God will accomplish his thing through you. You don't have to depend on your own strength, your own ambition. You just set aside those things that are blocking your path and allow God to do amazing, miraculous work through you. And it'll be a lot bigger than you thought possible. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Randy. One of the hardest things for a pastor to do is have somebody else assign the topic to you. And uh, Randy is just so very, very gracious in taking a very difficult topic, uh, the strategy of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, and doing really a wonderful job for us. And so thank you very much, Pastor Randy. Um, if you're interested in some of those handouts that he uh, shared with us today, they are out at the table. And um, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the ministry that the Lord has now led him into, um, please stop by his table and um, get better acquainted. Also, I just want to mention some of our other missionaries that are with us this morning um, who have stayed over from yesterday. Uh, the Wolves are with us uh, today, and we're delighted uh, to have them with us. And uh, I see another relative down here who is uh, with them in the morning as well. And uh, it's uh, so good to uh, have Paul's sister here with us this morning as well. Uh, in the back is uh, Pastor Juan Felipe and uh, his dear wife sitting next to the Powers. And we're just uh, delighted to have you here. Um, so uh, thank you so much. Um, Cheryl and uh, Jim uh, Doan are down in front with CEF. And uh, we're so grateful that you're here with us. And um, Lynn, let's see, I'm looking for George and his wife this morning. Are they, have they arrived yet? Okay, they'll be with us um, at 10 o'clock. So thank you all. It's been a wonderful time 
to have you here with us. And yesterday was such a wonderful experience together with such a large group, and um, I'm ready for seconds on that meal that we had last night. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, I'm inviting our ushers to come, and we have a little commitment card that I want to uh, just go over with you for a moment. So would you come, ushers, and make sure that everybody here gets one. Uh, Pastor Hank reminded me that um, during our Adult Bible Fellowship Hour, we will be remaining here together rather than going to our individual groups. And we're going to have uh, three presenters uh, the 10 o'clock hour. Um, first, uh, sharing with us uh, the vision for Bethel's outreach will be Dave Michaels. Then uh, the vision for the K.I. Sawyer and Gwynn church plant will be Jim Ferris. And then uh, the vision for Guatemala and the world will be George Roller, who is um, the uh, director of Send Me Incorporated. And so if you have this card, um, the theme of our conference this weekend has been a verse that Pastor Randy referenced early in his message, and that is Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus said, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, then to Samaria, and then the othermost part of the world. And we as a church are very, very active in our ministry to our Jerusalem and Judea. But the Lord has recently started to put a burden on our hearts about our Samaria, which is K.I. Sawyer. And um, our pastors in the UP that are in our Great Lakes District have caught a vision for planting a church at K.I. Sawyer. Um, as I mentioned earlier, ever since uh, the Free Will Baptist Church and Tear Doors, there is a real need for a Bible preaching and teaching congregation up at the old Air Force base. Um, one of our pastors who uh, toured there, Pastor Hank, led our pastor several months ago on a tour of K.I. Sawyer, said it is like the inner city uh, set out in a forest somewhere. And if you have been up to K.I. Sawyer and been around there, you know that there are lots of inner city type needs. And so... Um, uh, in a couple of months, uh, and you're going to hear the strategy at 10 o'clock from our own Jim Ferris, who is one of the key partners in uh, the team that is going to begin this church plant. Um, we will start the work there um, in, I believe, December of this year. Uh, the long-range plan is to have a campus pastor who will come and be on location and obviously that campus pastor is going to need a salary. And um, so what we would like to do is lay before us a vision of, um, uh, of raising $10,000 as a part of the salary for the first year. And uh, ultimately it is a, a three-year commitment for that pastor to be there, so there will be your process of needs. But our first leg in that um, uh, three-year process is uh, $10,000 to help with his salary as he brings his family up here to begin that ministry. So I want you to notice three things under the K.I. Sawyer church plant. 
I will pray for these goals. We all know that all of us can pray. I will give. And we're asking that you would consider and ask the Lord, what is it that you would like me to give? And then uh, the third opportunity is I would like to know how I can help with the K.I. Sawyer Church Plan. Um, already Jim and Laura Ferris have committed to being a part of that initiative, and so they are all in, as we say. But you might say, how could I be a part of that? And um, as you hear a little bit more about that, um, there might be a role that God would lead you to be a part of. Then notice the second strategy. This has to do with uh, the uttermost part of the earth. Um, there is a need in the uh, Guatemala, um, uh, country of Guatemala, for uh, housing for widows. And we heard a little bit about this from um, our brother who shared with us yesterday, who is the head of yesterday as well, Send Me Incorporated, George Roller, and his dear wife was with him yesterday as well. Um, and so what we want to do is, um, in this uh, complex that they have, we want to build a fourplex, which will be four housing units for widows and their children. There is a tremendous need in Guatemala because of the problem of... Um, uh, of loss of husbands and fathers and therefore great needs amongst widows and their children. $25,000 will be construction costs for, for, for uh, four units in a fourplex. And what we would like to do is send down a team who would help in the building of that fourplex. So again, there are three things we can do. Uh, all of us can pray. And even if you can only say, I can pray, we would love to have you just check that, turn this in, and let us know that you'll be a part of the praying team. But then uh, some of us can give, and maybe God would lay it on your heart to be a part of giving to the construction materials so that we can build these homes. It's an amazing thing, George will talk about this at 10 o'clock, they can build each of the units in one day. Uh, we saw some pictures yesterday. And us would like an incredible process that they have developed. And then some of us would like to go down and um, participate in the trip and be a part of uh, building those units. Um, you know in my own experience that I have two left thumbs. And so um, I really uh, admire and uh, envy people like Pastor Randy, who have tremendous hand abilities and construction. Uh, but I do know what uh, I do know how to be a gopher. So uh, if they want me to go down to Guatemala and be a gopher, I'll be happy to do that. I can I can do that on a construction site. And so um, again, this is something we want you to start praying about and saying, Lord, would you want me to go with the team to be a part of that? So what we would like you to do is pray about this, and then over the next couple of weeks, do one of two things. Place this in the offering plate as it uh, comes by, or drop it off at the office. And um, as the Lord begins to move in our hearts and uh, helps each one of us to begin to own this vision, which uh, we believe is very much what we heard today, 
in what Pastor Randy was sharing with us from the book of Acts, um, Wilvich says about dates as to where we're at. And um, I like what Dave Petrovich says about our church, that Bethel is a crazy giving church. And uh, that has very much been the case. Uh, the Lord has uh, blessed us in our giving and in our commitment far beyond what we anticipated when we first started. Yesterday was an example of that. We had no idea how many were going to come. And as you heard from Pastor Randy, uh, it was uh, just about 80 that were here yesterday. And we had a wonderful time together. And it shows the heart of our congregation. So um, let's take a moment here this morning, and as we conclude our time together, and our praise team will come and, and lead us in a moment, um, let's just pray together. And I want to do the same thing that I did last night. As I closed out last night's service, I closed by uh, praying these words from Acts chapter 1. Um, and asking the Lord to just uh, drill them deeply into our lives. And so would you bow with me together in prayer, and let's just ask the Lord to drill this vision for his work uh, in each and every one of our hearts. Bow with me in prayer. Your word, uh, dear Lord Jesus, your word in the book of Acts that begins this incredible story of the planting of the gospel and the forming of local churches and the expansion of the work of Jesus Christ, which has continued as we heard right down to our very day. And this very church that we love and is dear to us and we belong to. And the work that, Lord, we are partnering with these wonderful missionaries that you have given to us. Lord, your word says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, and while he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight, and while they were gazing into heaven as Jesus went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And Lord, until... Jesus comes, he said we are to occupy. We are to take the vision that he gave to us, and we are to reach our Judea, our Samaria, and the othermost part of the earth. And we thank you that you have raised up a, a strategy for 
this very moment in the history of our church that will help us to not only be a part of these goals, but uh, to see you work in a very special way. And so as we are before you today as your people who want to respond to your call, uh, we just ask that in this extra way, in addition to all the wonderful things that you have done here to do even more and through Bethel, that you would now lead us uh, to do even more uh, for the glory of your name. And so, Lord, um, we obey the call that says, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so it's in the strong and mighty, authoritative, victorious, and overcoming name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen.